Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Francesca Spector, author of Alonement, How to Be Alone and Absolutely Own It. Welcome to a one-off mini-series of the Alonement podcast, produced in collaboration with the Marmalade Trust, hosts of the annual Loneliness Awareness Week, which this year runs from Monday the 14th to Friday the 18th of June. In this special series, I'll be interviewing three key figures who are exploring what it means to be lonely. Well, previous seasons of this podcast have focused on the whole spectrum of being alone, including alonement, which means positive solitude. This mini-series focuses specifically on the experience of loneliness and the expert solutions that can help us feel less lonely. Before we kick off with the episode, I want to share a little more about the Marmalade Trust's latest We Get Lonely campaign, which is built around an important double meaning. We get lonely. That's a fact. And the more of us who acknowledge our own loneliness, the better. Because that's how we find support and solutions. Loneliness can happen to all of us, regardless of our age, life stage or background. Take it from me. I wrote the book on how to be alone. And yet, I still get lonely sometimes too. There's another meaning though. We get or we understand loneliness. This campaign is about learning to understand the experience of loneliness, how it might affect yourself and others. Because as scary as it might seem, it's only through identifying and acknowledging what loneliness looks like that you can begin to navigate your way out of it. I hope you get a whole lot of positive takeaway from listening to these episodes. We know that loneliness can be devastating with weighty effects on sufferers' physical and mental health. So let's take it seriously because together, through awareness, honesty and understanding, we can help ourselves and others to feel less lonely and much more connected. Alex Holmes is an author, podcaster and mental health educator. On his podcast, Time to Talk, Alex interviews his guests about mental health, masculinity, identity, and emotional education. His book of the same name, Time to Talk, How Men Think About Love, Belonging, and Connection, came out earlier this year. 
Alex reached out to me a couple of months ago on Instagram to say hello ahead of a panel event we'll be doing together at a literary festival later this year. Unbeknown to him, I was putting together the lineup for this mini-series and I jumped at the chance to have him on. I was so grateful to have this conversation with Alex, who proved generous in every sense, generous with his time for coming on and generous with his honesty and vulnerability in what he shares. First up, we talk about his own experience of growing up feeling lonely, despite being part of a loving family, and how he came to terms with this and speaking about it. Later on, we discuss how owning your imperfections, far from alienating you, can actually become a force for connection. And there's a whole lot of other good stuff in there too. But in a nutshell, have a listen and I really hope you enjoy. So Alex Holmes, it is wonderful to have you on, and I'm so lucky to be in the presence of another author and podcaster, just making my job easy for me. No, like, it's it's so fun speaking to podcasters as well, because, like, you don't have to have the questions around the mic issues and the headphones and the things it's just nice so uh, so Alex I am such a fan of everything that you do your book time to talk explores the conversation around love belonging and connection which for you are all these roots you know to, to greater mental health and roots I believe also out of loneliness which is what we're speaking about today can you tell me a little bit more about what loneliness means to you as we're recording here for loneliness awareness week yeah um loneliness to me is the feeling of being misunderstood um the lack of a feeling of acceptance from the people that you feel that you love um and you know love you um loneliness is also to me, the experience of expectations not being met and same with needs not being met either. Um, and when we hold on to those expectations that aren't being met, we become increasingly and increasingly more lonely. Um, and, you know, in the book, I, at the very beginning, I think this, I, I, I hoped pe- people would skim over this and <laughs> like before I got asked in interviews, but um I was asked in an interview once just about, um, I said, you know, I was I was brought up in a loving, engaged family, um, but I still felt incredibly lonely and unloved. And a lot of my family, when they read that, they were just very confused as to how that can, how both can be true. And it's that feeling of, you know, when you're in, in, in an environment with people who obviously love you and care for you, um, but they care for you in a way that they know how, it's very challenging sometimes to kind of specifically love a, a child, for example, or a person in the way that they need to be loved. Um, and that's where, and that's what takes a lot of work. And I find that um, kind of making those kind of statements and declaring that was very hard for me. In the initial phases because I didn't want to want to offend anybody but um 
in order for me to kind of really get to the truth of it all I had to sit down and address the fact that I didn't necessarily feel loved and I did feel extremely lonely um and yeah there are many other nuances to it but that's kind of that's the way I would look at um loneliness and the way I have looked at it for a while um you know needs not being met expectations not being lived up to um and then the journey to figuring out how to kind of appease that Thank you for sharing that because I think that quite often as as you experience writing the book and even you know having to put that down permanently on paper the even the phrase you know I feel lonely that's something that people do feel particularly afraid expressing to people close to them because it inherently has that rejection as you say you know your family reading those words you came from a loving family and that's I don't know it's as surefire a means as anyone can suggest for reducing loneliness or preventing loneliness Mm. what went wrong then (laughs) um I don't know I wouldn't say anything went wrong I would just say that not everybody has the tools to to kind of navigate that so for example you have a group of children um siblings cousins or whatever and there's one style of parenting and then that style of parenting is effective for three out of the seven kids for example um so those three kids feel the most love because that's what they need and that's what they desire and then Typically, it's within age order as well. So the three eldest kids, for example, will get that and they'll probably feel that that's what they need. And then if it works for one, it works for the second. If it works for the second, third, but it might not work for the fourth, fifth, sixth or seventh. So it's about just trying to understand the tools that are available to a lot of parents and um, a lot of uh, and how we kind of start to engage in these conversations. Um, you know, some some children you know, don't respond well to being like verbal kind of attacks or discipline. Some some can kind of kind of get into line quite quickly because they're aware. Some don't respond to that very well. Some respond negatively to it. So they have they have a combative kind of conversation, um, kind of interaction, say. Whereas um some people like to do things with their parents. And if a parent is more kind of um, engaged in other ways of learning you know and other ways of experiencing it just becomes quite challenging to really build that connection because each child needs something different and a parent is obviously has obviously been a child before and they obviously didn't have certain things um, so growing up they have a particular amount of tools and a particular set of tools that are for these kids and then some some kids just miss out on that um, to put, put it simply um, but you know and then as they grow older they grow up and they've missed out on certain things and you know they feel lonely because it's like well my parents are going to understand this my you know they don't like what I do with this or um I'm for example I'm not a huge football fan I don't like it like it's not it's not my thing um but because large percentage of the boys in my family are football fans and play football so I I, I kind of navigate that and just think to myself, well, I understand football. I will watch it, but I don't necessarily enjoy it as as a as a thing. 
Um, and that does make you feel lonely because you're not necessarily like everybody else. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's that, um, I suppose, this, I mean, there's different types of loneliness, but I suppose that encompasses quite a few. That's, it's mm. that sort of sense of, you know, collective loneliness, that sense that you're not part of this wider community. And, you know, in football is, you know, especially, you know, in the UK, it's such a huge community. It's, you know, specifically very predominantly male um, community as well. Uh, and also, I suppose it does, I don't know, even in both the act of watching football, um, in, you know, going with your family, having those rituals, uh, you know, how it can almost, outside of the pandemic, it can almost replace places of worship in terms of going weekly, doing that. And also, I, I think, you know, that that sort of perhaps intimacy. I don't know. I always I always wonder um, watching football like it, it, there is there is a sort of intimacy to it. Like it's almost, mm. you know, I, the way that men will hug after scoring a goal sort of yeah. thing. I, I've always found that pretty strange in that that is the place where it's acceptable to for men to be emotional you know they will cry they lose you know like the like you know in the the final of the FA Cup or whatever and they'll get up they'll be devastated like for a long time if if a team like I've seen it I've literally sat there and watched my dad be devastated (laughs) or his mood drastically change when his team is up when it's down and all this stuff and I'm just like that is interesting and that is what it takes for you to then have you know a level of um kind of an emotional range it's football so and and intimacy so the hugging and the patting on the back and the celebratory side of things sides you don't necessarily see to a lot of men um prior to that so I I find that interesting I find Mm. that 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 emotional connection with sport um and tribalism and community um yeah yeah it's um it's I mean you know I'm biased here but I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you Alex I can't can't see that football was that good um but it, it does seem to be this strangely acceptable space for quite a lot of you know, very sympathetic, um, understandable urges around, you know, the, all the things we know to alleviate loneliness and to practice good mental health. You know, it does speak to the idea around belonging, though. You know, and that's, and that's kind of where I tried to get to in the book, but it does speak to the idea around belonging. And if you are a part of a community that, it's like a part of a team that has kind of been ups, has been through ups and downs and is going through that. And, um, and then they eventually win or they lose or the relegation or a promotion and all these different things that are happening. You're part of that and you're sharing that with tons of other people. I spoke to somebody recently as well about um, a man about Ramadan and he said the exact same thing, but related it to fasting. And he says, you know that you will be fasting and it will be not just you alone fasting, but your family's doing it. Billions of people around the world are doing it at the exact same time. Like you, there's no, you're not, there's, there's a lack of 
loneliness in that kind of understanding because you feel like you belong to that kind of community and that culture and that understanding so i i understand it i understand that, that why um there's that need for belonging and 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 just trying to be connected to to, to something else i'm I'm just not a fan of football, so I find it quite challenging at times. Um, I can understand it, um, but that's kind of where the loneliness does really sit with me, as I, as one example. And in in your book, it's a conversation a lot around connection, and I think that on a really basic level, and probably you know, I think most of us, you know, when we hear connection, we do think about connecting with other people. You know, the O two the O2 slogan rather was we're better connected and that means connected with other people that means connected with other people via the phone but actually a lot of what you talk about when you're talking about connection it comes from the self a lot of the emphasis in your book you know the first chapter is on self-love the last one being on loving courageously you know it's about being able to cultivate that in yourself in order to then be able to connect with other people. And I think that perhaps, do you think that we put enough emphasis on that when we talk about loneliness? What, connecting with ourselves? Yes. Um, no, we don't. We don't put enough emphasis on that. We consistently perpetuate the codependency um, of needing other people in order for us to be less lonely. Um, which is again I get it because you do we do need other people I think that we we are human beings and we are community and communally centered and focused species you know (laughs) like we families businesses colleagues friendships like relationships like we are very related we relate a lot but the issue is when it when it comes to a point where we are so detached from ourselves that we are seeking all of our affirmation and um, support and regulation and acceptance and all of that from other people. Um, in some cases, it was taken from us when we were young and we never and we weren't allowed and we didn't know how to then kind of keep that for ourselves in order for us to build ourselves up so we're okay. In other cases, there were certain experiences that we go through in life where we where we feel as if you know we, we don't have a right to that but I think once we start to you know really begin to build ourselves up and create that community within ourselves and understand that we are enough like individually we are enough individually and we and once we know that we can bring so much more to other people because we can't run on empty essentially that we can't literally just continue to give 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 or kind of want to to need that tangible connection and but without actually having that level of true understanding and self-knowledge of ourselves and where we come from and what we like and our limitations and what we need to work on or what we need to expand on because if I show up to a relatively new friendship or relationship or a family member or a workplace or a job and I have this unattainable need for approval from everybody it can become quite draining for a lot of people 
because I've really come and it, and it does set you set you up for quite um you know like a quite a huge pitfall sometimes because people can assess your weaknesses and assess all of these different things and it makes you put on this veneer of trying to like prove yourself and do all this stuff which can be easily shattered and then once you don't you know as I said once you don't reach the expectation that you want or the or get the needs that you that you were so lacking before you fall further and I think that once we under, really understand what is kind of in us and what we're trying to build up within us, we can bring that to those places and say, well, look, I bring X, Y, and Z to the table. I know that I don't have you know, sufficient X, Y, and here, but this is what I'm here to learn to do. I'm not saying that that's what you go and say, but essentially that is the, that is the sentiment. Um, so yeah, that's just, and that's kind of where I sit with self-love, self-knowledge, self-education, kind of really learning about ourselves. And then, and that's a process. We grow through that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that you, and you do this in the book. I love that you use tangible examples of that at play because, you know, we hear, you know, we see on Instagram, you are enough, but it's, it's, it's very good to understand that actually that's something that as you said, going into a new friendship, for instance, you know, if you rock up and you're sort of not your best self and you're looking for all sorts of affirmation, that's not yeah. really a useful place to be in. Yeah, it's like, there are two things, like when people say those things but they don't explain them in ways that make sense, to me personally, I get frustrated because I'm like, well, yeah, okay, so then how do I do that? What does that mean? But then also when it goes, when, you know, it rocking up to a new friendship or kind of, um connection or relationship I think honesty is something that we need to get better at kind of presenting you know we do present a version of ourselves that we think people will like a lot of the time I think that's what we've been conditioned to do a lot of the time and I'm in a process of really trying to kind of get away from that and just say like well I'm showing up like this this is kind of who I am and where I'm at with everything um take me or leave me like that's you know that's kind of what I need that's that's where I'm at right now I mean gone are the days where I was kind of presenting and somebody who had it all together who knew exactly what he was doing and you know and kind of had all the answers and I just that's tiring that is a lot to kind of keep up with um and I think that's kind of where what I mean when you know when you say that I'm enough at the moment but I'm also able to expand and kind of grow in that way too um yeah so definitely the honesty thing is important and then and then you know and that connection with ourselves really does kind of allow us to not feel so lonely you know because we can at least because once you're with yourself once you are with yourself you're like okay well i'm i'm here i'm with myself 24 hours a day like literally you cannot escape yourself you are you wake up you're with you you're go to bed you're with you like you know and if you're if you're not connected to yourself then all that all that leaves is self-abandonment and betrayal and all of these other things okay a couple of things so there's a lot coming out of this so I want to I want to first go back to your definition of you are enough because I and you know maybe I've just been missing the emphasis all along but you know I, I I imagine that this will also be blowing the minds of a lot of people listening the you know the idea of you are enough like that's always to me implied 
okay, you're enough. You know, you don't, almost you don't need anyone else. The answers are within you. I think it's a phrase that gets rolled out quite a lot at the end of my yoga practices. But, you know, I love the idea of like, you are enough to rock up to a party and not not put on pretense and, you know, to, to turn up as that flawed self and that's enough to bring. You know, you don't have to sort of, avoid scenarios because you're not sort of finished yet you are enough to connect almost in your flawed self I think that it it just feels quite liberating yeah it's so freeing it's so freeing just to be able to sit there and kind of know what you what your limitations are and then seek out ways to rectify them in a way or just accept them and just be like you know I'm not you know I'm not necessarily great with money for example I don't know I'm just trying to find an example but I'm not necessarily great with money um I really want to be saving though um so you go out and you figure out ways to to say better like and you're thinking, okay, cool. but that doesn't attack your personhood. It doesn't make you a horrible person. It doesn't make you a um, a waste of space. It doesn't make you a waste of time. It just means that you're saying, all right, cool. Like, it doesn't mean that I'm a bad person. It just means that I'm going to really just carry myself to this next stage where I need to be able to do this next thing. Um, there will be people that will be out there be able to help you. Um, but when you start to rely on people, for all of these for, for all of those things especially when it comes to emotionally when we start to rely on people for all of those things to make us feel happy to make us feel um you know like safe and to make us feel all of those things which of course is valid but when it comes from us first as well it just it, it just makes it that much more special you know when you can know how you when you know what it takes for you to feel safe and when you know what it takes for you to feel happy when you meet somebody that can that can kind of bring that as well that's yeah. that's even that's even much more you know empowering yeah so to say you're enough is to just sit there and be like well yeah it's acceptance and really sitting there and saying yeah I know that I can I know what I bring to the table yeah but even you know but even but even and I, you know I keep coming back to this hypothetical situation of rocking up at the party mm-hmm. you know you can sort of be in this sort of needy space where you're you're acting a bit strangely around money or you're making all sorts of on the you know on the flip side you're making all sorts of maybe insecure flashy comments about things you know you're projecting that insecurity the other alternative to that is rocking up and saying okay I am enough it's enough to be honest about this thing that I'm dealing with like I don't need to sort of avoid social scenarios because it's something I'm processing and because I'm not a perfect human that then in itself you know and I I know this through being able to express vulnerability like I think that for instance learning to talk to my friends and say I am lonely you simply being able to say I'm lonely I'm you know I'm, I'm I'm showing up but I'm struggling with this thing it was it was incredible because it was a force for connection in a way that I hadn't expected. Mm. I suppose bringing that, you know, bringing that sort of sense of enoughness despite being imperfect, because, you know, because loneliness, we do stigmatize as an imperfect thing. 
it was really it was very connecting and so that's I, I guess that's why I find what you're saying so compelling about mm-hmm. still being able to connect over that mm. lack of perfection. I think, yeah, I do think people connect with that just because it's like we recognize, we know deep down. I think we inherently know deep down that we are not perfect. Um, and that presenting to be perfect is hard work. <laughs> and, um, and but you know but you, you never know who you're meeting at any given time and where they're at in their process and what that looks like for them and why they act in the ways they do right so it sometimes it just becomes it's, it's just a huge challenge just to kind of be like it's like a defiance like yeah I'm not perfect yeah I'm 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 you know I'm I'm squiggly around the edges I'm not like you know I'm leaky and I kind of roll out of bed at this time and I don't look my best when I wake up and I you know and I don't hold the and I say the wrong things sometimes and all that stuff being honest about those things it's like it's like an act of defiance in front of people who try to be perfect uh, that it kind of gives them permission in a a very weird weird way to be like oh actually they probably won't say it there and then. They probably will be like, oh, you know, and they probably will go off to the pack and be like, oh, this person's weird. Da, 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 and try and get like groupthink <laughs> to it. <laughs> but, like, you know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think that, and, yeah, and, that, and that's kind of, but, um, you know, and to somebody who's, if somebody was putting all the expectations in being liked or being accepted by other people, that would kind of throw that person who was saying, oh, they're imperfect and all this stuff, they would throw, they would, I would throw them off a bit because they're yeah. just like, oh, actually, they don't accept me. Whereas the person who accepts themselves is like, well, that's it. If that's what they want to say when they go over there, that's what they want to say. And um, 
you know, and people, it's just going to be people and they're going to, and they're going to learn their way. And I think that for me, once I really stood up and I was like, you know what, I speak very quickly. I mumble sometimes. I am clumsy. I do kind of like, you know what I mean? I do, do, I do say the wrong thing sometimes. I do over talk a lot of the time. So please stop me if I'm rambling. Um, And if I do say that, I'm aware of those things. And you know, like, when, when, and you know, it, sometimes it does become quite nerve-wracking sometimes when you think, do people think this about me? But also it's like, well, I know this about me and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just working through that and I'm trying to get through, get through like life, like everybody else, <laughs> trying to really navigate a lot of these different things. And yeah, a lot of it is the unworking, the unworking of all of the stuff that you've been told, learned as you grew up and the things your grandmother said to you about, your hair in that way and your mum said to you about this and your dad that your cousin your brother it's just your friends your teacher all those things all those things pile up and they kind of create how we think about ourselves and I think that it's important to get to a stage where we can define that for ourselves and that's where I feel like we we move away from the detachment the disconnection and we really remember who we are I just find it fun to think of myself as a five-year-old as my five-year-old self it's just like you know there was a point my five-year-old self internally was just very much like Alex just please I want to play I just want to be free (laughs) like you're just like everything's so heavy here and now I'm just like another five-year-old self is like yay like you're letting me out every so often I get to play I get to laugh I get to you know be happy I get to enjoy stuff yes being an adult nobody signed up for this but obviously you know it's um it's just it's fun in that way and I think once we reconnect with all of that we 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 do make a step towards being happier you know yeah yeah um thank you I thank you to begin with for sharing those uh those vulnerabilities and insecurities around how perhaps you see and you know you think others see yourself because it's so talking to you it's so strange even to think that some of those are the things you think about yourself but I guess it's suppose it's it's acknowledging ourselves in all of our like array of you know how we might see ourselves in different moments and different different contexts I suppose that that could hold us back but actually just one part of the parcel yeah um I love that idea of the inner five-year-old being unleashed and I think you know I think that there's another way also in which and I think that this year of the pandemic has kind of done that in that we're almost we're almost okay to say you know in the same way you know in the same way a a five-year-old if they're a self-aware five-year-old will be able to say you know I'm sad I'm this I want to play like we're almost able to say those things those quite basic but the most true emotions and express them to one another and I think there's a real niceness about that and I think I also I also took on board what you said earlier about the sort of I don't know, it's very telling that the, the sense that you might share something with someone and they there will be a pause or they'll go away and think about it. I don't know, I've experienced that a lot. Like it's that almost, it almost feels like leaping off a cliff sometimes to say something mm-hmm. very honest and vulnerable. Yeah. And then it's, in a, you know, in, in a world where we expect instant gratification, you know, we can see the dot, dot, dot on someone's WhatsApp screen. And sometimes it almost feels like we can see the, you know, the, the dot, dot, dot in the space in front of us as we share something in person yeah. with someone. But 
people do I don't know if this is your experience I think I suspect it is people do generally surprise you right they do they do I'm somebody I I struggle with small talk and um so I'll roll in there with the with, with, with the big questions sometimes. <laughs> um, obviously, I don't mind small talk. Obviously, people, it's whatever's comfortable. But I'm just like, you know what, we're here for, we're here for a minute. Like, let's, 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 let me see what you think about, you know, what's going on with the global warming crisis and, you know, what, what happened in X, Y, and Z somewhere else or how you feel about the existentials of life and all this stuff. But I just, I'm just super interested in what people, people have to say. And, um, but I also have to respect the fact that not everybody is able to formulate an answer sometimes. Mm. And you have to just trust yourself sometimes that you're kind of, that you're sowing a seed of, of some sort of thought in someone's mind as well, because um, I like raising those questions and some people might not like talking about those things, but they might not have, they might not have thought about some of those things or from that perspective before. And this is why conversations are so important to me because um and you know yeah so there's a lot to learn I do think from a lot of people and and again it it builds that connection too because so many times I've been in like these events or you know prior to COVID um you know events where where I've asked these questions and nobody's really answered me there and then but they've gotten back to me and they've been like Alice, um, I don't know if you remember me but we spoke x y and z this time whenever and I was like oh yeah 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 I probably don't remember them but like, they're like yeah and they're like oh um yeah what you what you said about xy I'm, I was really thinking about that and like I wonder, can we catch up or do, can we speak about x one and I'm like actually this is really interesting and then you've built a, a friendship or a, like even just a friendly acquaintanceship with somebody that you never that you never did before and yeah I, and I always find it yeah yeah and I think yeah, I mean, I, I suppose at, at the very least, as you say, it might help someone to share something. At the very least, it's generous. And I never really understood how that word could apply to emotions, but now I suppose I do yes, yeah. because there is that gap. But that's interesting that you quite often have that experience of, yeah, mm. someone's sort of, you know, not necessarily knowing the impact that you have in the moment. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. You know, when the pandemic hit, how did you feel about um, coll- like collective loneliness and belonging? Mm. So it's it's funny because I, I suppose that the sense of being in a pandemic together as a world um, it created in, in in a strange sense a greater collectiveness than we've ever really ex- well, ever really experienced in my lifetime. It was very strange being all in it together. Um, but I don't know, it, it quickly, it quickly became, and maybe this is an unpopular answer, but it quickly became much more fragmented, I suppose, because we were in a situation where we were household based. And I mean, you know, for me, that was a household of one for, you know, for, you know, for others, that was their household of a family of, of couples. And it, it became about you know, in the short term, at least, you know, it became about survival instinct. It became about stockpiling. It became about, you know, who had the most masks and tins of tuna and all of that in a way that, you know, and it was a very, it was very 
a natural way to I suppose be living our lives because we weren't necessarily collective or we weren't necessarily at least in person seeing people collectively I don't know where where were you with that um yeah I've, I've always found it interesting and I always I like the I'm interested in the answers that people get when I ask that question it's because I know that for me walking down the street in the first phase of the pandemic so what was this last year around this time last year Few months, give or give or take, give or take a few months, and um, just walking down the street and smiling at somebody, and them knowing exactly why you're smiling, you know, and um, because they because we're like, yeah, I'm in it too. Like my job is not necessarily secure. I'm at home all the time. I'm scared to go on the tube and um, get to work. I'm on the front like All these different things. I just show up in that one smile and to feel that somebody sees you in that way felt it didn't feel as lonely in a sense and then as um time went on and you know when George Floyd was murdered and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery um that slowly became concern for me as I was walking down the road people like looking at me and being like are you okay sort of thing or actually actively saying um Oh, you're like in London. It's very it's challenging to really have that sense of community in a way because people don't look at each other. They just kind of look down. They go in this way. They they barge past you, and you know, and you're just like getting on with what you're getting on with, and you're kind of not always seen. And as a black person, a lot of the time, you do get barged out of the way, and you do get pushed because the people just don't see you. Just in general, like I've I've been winded just trying to get onto a, a tube carriage like before like like a shoulder straight to my chest sort of thing um and uh or kind of bumped into or pushed out of the way and all those different things and I think over this past year it's been really interesting to see how like you're seen in a way like you're seen and slowly that's gradually changing now that everybody's kind of getting used to this um and you know I, I I see it a lot less now, but it was something I definitely noticed and definitely began to understand as well. Thank you for sharing that experience. I'm so shocked to hear how it was before yeah. as well, how it felt before. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, and, and that's the thing because a lot of the time you just think, I, I think you spend a year and you think about it all, and you're just like, actually all the stuff that you kind of like experienced before you just kind of took as commonplace just as normal I sat down and think actually I was really just not seen I was definitely I'm tall I'm a very tall person and like you know and it's hot and by all accounts it's hard to miss me but um you know but on the everyday I'm very much invisible so in terms of the loneliness that you experience because I, I do and, and you know I'm taking for granted that you do experience loneliness here because <laughs> I think that I think loneliness is like hunger that you know people get almost day to day what would you say that you know is, is that collective loneliness something that's that affects you most the collective loneliness um yes I would say yes it does um because I'm keenly aware of 
just trying to understand that, you know, I'm not alone going through what I'm going through, whether that be feelings of inadequacy, um, feelings of insecurities, imposter syndrome, um, lack of true community, um, companionship, especially in a pandemic. Um, all of those things, to know that I am not alone in that, to really expand my mindset to thinking and acknowledging that there's somebody out there who's going through similar things is important to me because it means that I know that somebody there's somebody out there I can connect with or I can connect to or somebody there that can empathize with me and I can empathize with as well um not to say that everybody should go through that but you know um it's just nice to think that there are people out there who have similar experiences um yeah and back into collective communities and things like that I mean I do think that the government did miss a trick when it came to you know um just a quick just a quick thing was just that when it was the when we were clapping for the NHS um and I, and I stood outside and I could see my neighbors um yeah you know a few um but when you start to see them and actually see their families and you know they want to step outside because of all of the um, because of the year that, that they've had and all that stuff and where they want to clap and they want to you know we had bangle drums on the street we had like you know people with like like um symbols and all these different things and like rattles and just kind of making noise whistles carnival horns all that stuff we had all of that and then um um you know building that community over christmas over over v-day and all of that stuff but then you know we started to talk to one another and it felt safe. It felt like, yeah, this is our road. This is us. This is what this is the area that we kind of like operate from. But then the government then, you know, they said they started saying the rule of six and all of these different things. And started saying if you see people going into the if you're having more of those things, you can tell the police, tell on your snitch on your neighbor, do all of that stuff. So then you sow the seeds of distrust again. And then we, we we kind of retreat back inside, and everyone starts to peer through their shutters and their blinds, and everyone you know, your family members if they do come to visit, or friends or whatever, you're you're kind of paranoid in that way, more paranoid so than than you would be in this in this time. And I was just like, they missed a, they really missed a trick there because they could have said, connect with your neighbours, like have street parties really like you know enjoy that being on your road with the people get to know who you live next to could you could you go across the road and and say that you've like lost you need some sugar and you know or milk or whatever could you do that and I don't think I could like I, I could I know I could physically do that but to feel okay in doing that I don't think we have that, especially in London. I don't think we have that in the same way. So I feel like they, they, we missed a trick on that one um, for that real connection and that real understanding of, like, you know, being together. There are elderly people on this road and 
need to be spending a lot more time thinking about them, especially at this time, getting them food. What's their names? Who's their, you know, who are their kind of dependent? I mean, who's dependent on them, like, and whatnot, and their family, and what happens to them if something goes wrong? And, you know, just that kind of concern. I might be alone in thinking that. I might not be, but that's kind of where I was sitting with it. And I was thinking, you know, we need to be thinking a lot more collectively. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think you're alone in thinking that. I think, or perhaps if you're alone in thinking it, then at least it's, it's because it's a very unique, um, but really compelling idea. I mean, what was you, what was your experience? So were you, were you alone during the time? Were you with people? Yeah. So I'm with my family. Um, and I'm very privileged and blessed to be in a home with my family and, and have a garden and have neighbours and be on a road like this. Um, very privileged and, I, and I've never kind of taken that for granted um, in this whole time. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I was um, with that. But then it just made me, and, I, and, I, and I'd been thinking about this for a long time, especially when we started becoming more aware of the pandemic. I was just like, so there's people who are A, in flats, um, who don't necessarily have access to green spaces, you know, because on, on some flats they do have the rooftop gardens and stuff like that, which which is which is beautiful, but they don't have necessarily access to like, their own personal garden or their own spaces where they can kind of be outside, but people are being told to be locked in. And um, you've got people who are flat sharing and literally probably only have a room um, that they're doing their everything in. Um, people are some people are far from their family. Um, and they're being told that they can't go to their family um, or see their families in whichever situations their families are in. Um, and it's just, you know, I was just like, you know, we need to really be thinking about the mental health of people and about, like, and you know, where they're, where they're coming from with all of this. We just, and I, don't, I just don't think there was that level of concern that was, that was put out there. It was, these are the rules, stick to them. And I just think that we need to begin, we need to really have these conversations. And it was, and I was just like saying this to my friends, I was like, we're going to see a lot of mental health um, issues rise out of this. And, um, and then I started seeing videos of, you know, men in Italy taking lives. And um, I had friends who had been sectioned um, who um, some other friends who had, um, you know, uh, psychosis, went into psychosis because of it. And I was just like, something needs to change. Something needs to change. And we need to be having these conversations. We need to be having better ones about how we can really, really make this um, a, a period of time to learn from. And I just think there's a small pocket of people who are thinking like that. I'm just like judging by what happened with the with the last budget that happened in the UK and like, you know the amount of money that was going to public services and nurses like nurses you're gonna freeze them you know it just like I was just like what is going on like the amount of budget allocated to mental health care I was just like this beggar's belief so I am frightened but um I'm also kind of invigorated to really you know try and do more help people not feel so alone and not feel so lonely and um because it's just it's it's definitely not a nice feeling and um 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something that we need to be having more conversations for, which is why I think what you're doing is so amazing. For sure. Well, I think that, you know, everything that you advocate is, it is they are the roots. I mean, it's, it's very, you know, it's difficult because loneliness, we talk about it, you know, it, it requires so much change on such a large scale and such a small scale way. And, you know, it's, then it, then it, at the very root of it comes from us as well. You know, what we spoke about at the very beginning of this podcast, how, you know, you can have a really loving, wonderful childhood, but ultimately you need to work out how you connect, how you come to feel loved and come to feel like that you're getting the connection that you want from your life. And, you know, I'm, 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 I'm interested if, if you were to, if you were to suggest on a, on a personal level, on a sort of, you know, what we can all do, what people listening to this podcast can be doing to, you know, help themselves alleviate or prevent loneliness or at least create the framework in their life to prevent against it. What would you, what would you suggest as a daily practice? That daily practice. Be doing? Um, so just probably two parts would be the first part is self. Um, and that looks like, getting to understand who we are personally so endeavor on doing things that will help you go through some self-interrogation um some personal growth some kind of understanding so whether that be journaling for insights into who you are if you're sitting on a thought or there's a thought that you're sitting on for a long time and um you know get yourself a journal and, and write down those thoughts and kind of expand where's that coming from and what that looks like for you um read um read your book read my book read there's so many books out there where people can expand themselves and kind of get a perspective and you know generate ideas and kind of learn that and learn new voices um in that in that space but then also you know connect with people like instead of shooting off a text probably text somebody say is it okay for a call if that's what if that's a boundary that they have they just don't call me out of the blue you know <laughs> text them is it okay to have a call or arrange a call at some point um you know like or you know a video call or something like you know i think that's one way of doing it but then another way would just be to go outside and just observe really just under just kind of observe stillness and just be like hmm I'm outside I'm going to sit down I'm going to just watch things I'm going to go for a walk I'm going to have a look at um I'm going to go down to this place I'm just going to go where my heart is telling me to to go and just have a, a walk I know things are slowly opening up now so um you know smile at the barista when you're getting a coffee and um you know smile at people walking by even if you don't get one back just encourage yourself to foster that level of connection and um yeah I think the baristas and the people that are working on the front line and in supermarkets and those places they've had it so rough because remember you mentioned you know fighting over toilet paper and you know cans of tuna and all stuff but they're there watching that day after day after day and they can't even get half the stuff that you know because they they got to provide it um yeah, so I, I guess it's just really just being mindful and aware of the people around you, um, for sure. And it's so interesting that the solutions 
you've given, and I think that this is, I, I think this is such an, you know, important overarching message in your book. Those, you know, those solutions aren't, they don't, they start with you, not they with, start with you. other people. And, and, and is that, is that a paving stone or how, how does that work in terms of receiving the connection that you want back from others? Um, it's like what we said earlier, it's until you can, you know, foster in yourself what you need to, what needs to be fostered and you, you kind of address what, where, you, where you're at with a lot of different things, what you're lacking, what you're full of and those things and kind of what you need to navigate and challenge, challenge and channel. You can't really bring much to other places, you know, Um so yeah, I just and, and that would definitely help with connection. You know, people can sense people can sense when um you're arriving authentically and genuinely. They can sense that. You know. I always get I'm always concerned for people when they are preoccupied sometimes when I'm speaking to them and things like that, because I'm always like, I wonder what's happening or what's going on. But yeah think um, just kind of addressing those things really just kind of and then you know it will never inevitably foster connection and it doesn't always have to be you know some people find it difficult to speak to strangers which I get sometimes just so reach out to friends if you have them and family if you have them and yeah I would say yeah try and finally if you suspect someone close to you is lonely and I think mm. that that example of someone being distracted when you're speaking to them that is that is quite a telltale sign that someone's not necessarily connected to themselves enough to listen but if you suspect that what would be your step i think just ask them if it, if they obviously if you have a level of if you have a level of connection with them so if you know them as you said if you know somebody and they don't seem and they seem kind of preoccupied just be like asking where you're at right now what's going on if you don't know them arguably more challenging I don't really have an answer for that if you don't know them but I guess a general how are you will go a long way yeah yeah uh, well Alex thank you so much I'm my brain is fizzing with everything that you said and <laughs> I'm so glad that we got the chance to talk absolutely I appreciate you I hope you enjoyed listening to this special one-off mini-series of Alonement for Loneliness Awareness Week, produced in collaboration with the Marmalade Trust. To find out more about the Marmalade Trust, visit marmaladetrust.org. Follow their work on Instagram at marmalade underscore trust and on Twitter at marmaladetrust, all one word. You can keep up with all things Alonement on Instagram at Alonement Official. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to hear more. And of course, sharing is caring. So please do go ahead and share this episode with a friend or loved one that you think might benefit. Thank you so much for tuning in and stay connected to others and to yourself. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.